Looking good, looking good. Like you know we should. Looking good today. You're listening to the Iron Mike Keenan Podcast. We're the five going strong. We can do no wrong. We're looking good today. Welcome to the Iron Mike Keenan Podcast, episode number six. Scott Morrison along with the coach, Iron Mike. Uh, just before we get in, we're going to talk about goalies, and you've had some great ones and not so great ones. <laughs> and uh, but Mike Ditka, the former Chicago Bears coach, also an Iron Mike. Did you guys ever meet during your time in Chicago? Yes, I did. And uh, Michael was very successful. They won the Super Bowl. Yeah, they had a great uh, team with the Bears, and uh, that stadium used to fill up. Uh, and then after the football games, they'd rush over to our stadium, the hockey stadium, and they were all fired up to fill the building and cheer for the Blackhawks. So that was a great uh, run in Chicago at the time. The Bulls win the championship with Michael Jordan. The Bears win the championship. We go to the finals, or the final four. Uh, the baseball teams weren't doing that well, but uh, the the city was alive with excitement about about sports, and particularly when the Bears won the Super Bowl. You know, big football is in America. That's unbelievable, and they had a personality and uh, people on that team. And Ditka was a hard ass, uh, hard nosed coach as well. And then uh, Jackson was coaching uh, the Bulls. With uh, I got a great story about that too. So the Bulls. And, and the Blackhawks are in dress rooms beside each other. And we're in a locker room. When I first got there, there was no video, no uh, workout equipment, no gym, nothing. So I talked the owner into tra- transforming the entire room and building a, a video room and building a workout room, and then we had a medical room. But I go into the Bulls locker room, and it was archaic. It was like there was nothing there. They didn't even have a medical station. So one day I go into the medical room and there's two big guys sitting in one of those little silver whirlpools. And uh, I looked down, I started laughing. It's Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen. And then they're in there together. So their knees are up by their ears. And Michael says, we don't have any medical equipment in our room. Do you mind? I said, no, you guys come in any time. So uh, we had a great relationship w- with uh, with the basketball team and the champions. And, and I did this. I did, you asked me, uh, working with Dick, or meeting Dick, I actually did some commercials with Jackson. So uh, car commercials. Oh, okay. So, yeah, the, we were around, and I would go to the Bulls games all the time. I'd sit right in the front row with Michael Jordan there. And in the in the playoff run that we had, it was the Bulls and, and the Blackhawks back to back every other night. Yeah. So it was it was alive the stadium. Mister Wirtz couldn't believe how much beer he was selling. So. <laughs> Goalies. Yes. You had the nickname Captain Hook for a large portion of your career did you hate goalies what did no what was your I, problem I, with goalies? I, didn't, I didn't dislike goalies at all in fact uh, i'd like goalies and uh, uh i probably was one of the first people first coaches to make the evaluation and say what's going on here most teams are playing two goalies 50 percent each and i said why would you do that when one is so much better than the other if that's the case in some cases, that wasn't, but uh, I can reflect upon some situations. Uh, 
Sove and Edwards were in Buffalo, and they played pretty much 50-50. But uh, I'd taken the stance that if I have a better goalie than than the one is a lot better than the other, I'm going to play that goalie. And and uh, then I would talk to the goalie and say and ask him, you, would you prefer to pay play maybe 70% of the time rather than 50? And and if you do, you can be expected to be pulled for a number of reasons. One, not every player is spot on every night, and now I'm going to play you excessively. So that's one reason. The other reason is the team might be flat, and I need to give them a boost, and that be be another reason. Or I might need a timeout, and that's another reason I'm going to pull you. I, or I want to get a point across to official who have made a bad call. That's another reason. So there was a multiple number of situations that would arise in a game. And, for example, if I wanted a timeout, and at the t- time I don't know how they work it out today, but I would tell the, the backup goalie, do not have your mask on, do not have your gloves on, and take your time. When I call it as a timeout, you take all the time you can in the world to get over onto the ice, and the other goalie's going to wait and not come out right away, and now I'm instructing the team what we want to do in terms of changing strategy. And I said, you're only going to go in for one shift, and then I'm going to change you again. And I still remember a story, too. We were playing the Toronto Maple Leafs. Pat Quinn is coaching. And it was we were down by a couple of goals, and we had a five-on-three, and I pulled a goalie. And Pat's yelling, too many men on the ice, too many men on the ice. And then he looks down and says, oh, he pulled the goalie. And, uh, it was second period or something. It was second period. Yeah, yeah, it was the second period in Toronto. So there was a, uh, you know, there's another example of why I pulled the goalies, and uh, uh, I liked the goalies, and and but even, you had that conversation. I had the conversation with them. Yes. Okay. And uh, uh, it didn't stop but, a few but, of them from getting pissed but, off. That, no. The, in the moment, they you know, they're competitors. I'll tell you one. Going back to Peterborough. Uh, Laferriere was my co- uh, goalie, and we were in Sudbury, and it was the day before his birthday, and I think he was from Sudbury, and his mom was there with a cake and everything else, and I'm going to pull him, and I sent a kid to Wright, and it was a backup. We uh, acquired him in a trade with the Martys, and Wright goes out, and Rick says, I'm not leaving the net. Get the hell out of here. Go on back. So he comes back. He says, Mike, he won't leave. I can't go to the net. He won't leave. He's not coming. I said, okay, sit down. And we come back, and but we won the game. The point was, okay, you want to make sure no more pucks go in? Good. You know, do your thing. And the team perked up, and we come back and, and won the game. But uh, that was a funny. That was one, the only time. And he thought, oh, boy, I'm going to get it when I get to the bench because, uh, you know, in subordination and you know not doing what the coach wants me to do but good for him <laughs> i started laughing so yeah that's going back to peterborough and, and uh but i had great goaltending and you have to have great goaltending to have great teams and then many so you know the first one i had was well let's was start it? philadelphia was your philadelphia. first stop. yeah no, so we're going to talk about the flyers in an upcoming episode right but a young team, and you, your Youngest first year there, you get the Stanley Cup final with a right. very good goalie. But I'll tell you how that all started. We had Bob Froese and uh, Pelle Lindbergh, and I had interviews. I was hired, and I had interviewed, I interviewed every single player in the summer 
uh, took him to lunch and have a discussion with him. So I, I had previously, before I went to the University of Toronto, when I was coaching the Rochester Americans, we won the Calder Cup. Well, we played the Philadelphia Flyers farm team in Maine for the, for the Cup, for the Calder Cup. And they had this kid named Lindbergh in the net, was outstanding. We beat them four straight, but he was unbelievable. So I go to the meeting with Pelly, and I said, Pelly, no matter what anyone says, or media or anyone says, you're my number one goalie. He said, I am? I said, yeah. He said, how, how do you know? I said, I saw you play. You're an unbelievable goaltender. I know that you had a falling out with your coach last year, Bobby McCammon, and he sent you to the minors, and, and it didn't work out. But I said, you are the number one guy. And he looked at me and says, I can't believe it. That's fantastic. So I said, you're going to play. He ends up winning the Vesna Trophy. We go to the finals, uh, not supposed to make the playoffs. We win the President's Trophy and then go against the Oilers. Uh, and Pelly was the Vesna Trophy winner in the, in the league. So I know he just needed the confidence. He needed somebody to, have, to believe in him and give him the confidence. But I'll tell you another story. He was really, and we, we talk about goalies and all their superstitions. So Pelly had this superstition that he would go in between periods, and this is how a water bottle started. I'll tell you that story too. So on the back of the net. So Pelly goes in, and we're playing in the spring now, and Washington's very warm in Washington in the spring, hot. And the old building in Washington was very hot and, and humid. And so Pelly's sitting there. And he does this the entire year. He sits with his stick across his legs, leaves his face mask on, leaves his gloves on, and sits there like this. And I'm looking at him, and now he's complaining a little bit that he's dehydrated and he's getting faint. I walked over and I grabbed him. I flipped his mask off. I grabbed his jersey, pulled it up over his head, and said, you've got to cool off in between periods or you're going to be in trouble. And he looked at me and said, I won't be able to stop a puck now. I said, why? Because you took your jersey off? It, I never did that before. So uh, obviously he did well. But during the game, then I sent out a player with a water bottle. I said, put that in the back of the net. And it happened with Sather and the Oilers in the finals. And he was getting dehydrated. Now I know he's got this problem. And he wouldn't drink. He wouldn't, like, many goalies would come over in a stoppage or a timeout or something, get a, a shot of water and go back. So I sent the water out to the net. And Sather, was, Glenn was complaining to the officials and, and uh, uh uh, says a lot of things about it, but I said, well, guys, make up your mind. If this kid dies, and that's a terrible thing to say because it yeah. ends up he does, because he's dehydrated or passes out, it's on you. And I said, okay, we better put water bottles and have them for the goalies because that's a legitimate point. Said, they play the entire 60 minutes for most coaches. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I call them. <laughs> Usually <laughs> they get a break from them. right, but I said they're the ones that require, and they got the biggest equipment on. They require the water more than anybody, 
And uh, so that's how it came about. And uh, so Pelly, yeah, uh, uh, turned out to be a fantastic goalie. And of course, he was killed the next season. Uh, and I told him, I said, Tragic car accident. Yeah, he had a souped up, uh, super turbocharged uh, Porsche. And he would come into the parking lot and do a 360 donut, like at full speed at 100 miles an hour. I said, Pelly, stop doing that. It's, you're going to kill yourself. And I hate to say it, he did. And uh, that was a very tragic situation, too, getting the phone call at 3 or 4 in the morning. We had, it was a Saturday night. We had won like 14 or 12 games in a row or something to that effect. And I got a call from Murray Craven, said, Mike, there's been a terrible accident. Uh, Dave Poulin lived near me, and uh, we'll tell that in the Flyers story. But So Dave and I hook up, and we go to the hospital, and he had been transferred from one hospital to another. I went in the room, and he's on life support. And I had to tell his family and everything else. But anyway, that was Pelly. And uh, uh, then uh, the next guy that comes in that does an unbelievable job. That year, I wanted to bring Hextall up. And Clark, he said, no, he's not ready. So we went and saw him play again in the Calder Cup Finals in Hershey, which was the farm team. Hexy comes in the next year and, of course, wins uh, uh, the Conn Smythe against the uh, in the seven seven game series with the Oilers so again a, a just a very fortunate find that this young kid is ready to, to step into that position and the pressure on him it didn't bother him and uh, of course he was you know scores a goal from his with his ability to shoot the puck and Mark Hall would say to me Hex, he's going to put 10 years on my career. I never have to go back in the my own zone now. He just passes it up to me at the far blue line. So, uh, again, a, a great goalie, and had great success with us. And a very fiery guy, you know, he tries to cut Kenton Nielsen in half with his goalie stick, and then he gets in the brawl after that. And yeah, But he was a fiery, competitive, uh, but he also had a superstition. Every period. He take off one pad, put it on the floor, and stare at it. Leave the other pad on. Take his gloves off, not his jersey. Leave his jersey on. Sometimes jersey off, helmet off, and look down like this for the entire intermission. Then just before we're going out, put the pad back on, and away he goes. And uh, I still remember one story though that uh, I pulled him, and he he, oh, he was he chased me up the hallway. In the in the in the spectrum, he wanted to, you know, take it take it out on me. So I said, just relax. I said, you play almost every game. So, you know, there's I told you the reasons, but they, he he couldn't think of any reason at the time. No, in the heat of the moment. No, no, not, yeah. yeah. Control of his emotions wasn't a strength no, that a lot of time. Yeah, and the, then uh, I end up going to Philadelphia, and and we have Eddie, and. Uh, <clears throat> Before we had Eddie with Darren Pang and the Chicago, <clears throat> Chicago. Just before you go on, yeah. one other Hexall story. Were you coaching? My memory's bad today. Were you coaching the team when they had the pregame brawls with Montreal? Yes. Tell a story. Oh yes. <laughs> so the background on it is that the Canadians and Flyers are in the playoffs. Yes. The pregame game warm-ups six in Montreal. There was gamesmanship. I think it was Claude Lemieux used to stay on the ice to the bitter end and then fire a puck down into the Flyer net. The Flyers didn't like it. 
Hextall exactly. in particular. Well, it's going to surprise a lot of people. It was Chico Rush. Oh. And uh, <clears throat> it would be Lemieux, I think Chelios, Corson. Yeah. Those characters would wait and then shoot a puck into our, our net as we left the ice. And our team was getting upset. They getting really pissed. So this time, they were in the Montreal form, and the warm-up was just about to end, and they exit without doing it. But they hide, and then Chico, he comes and hides and says no. So I think it was Hospodar, and he, they went and turned the net around and pushed it against the wall. And I think they came out, I don't know the details, because I was in the locker room, and turned it around and shot the puck in, because then they came on the ice. And then, then a brawl started. The next thing I know, I'm in the old uh, form dress room. In the visitor's dress room, there used to be a cage. I don't know if you remember. Mm -hmm. I'm going as a beat writer and writing up after the game. And that's where all they, they kept all the like water bottles, and they kept the sticks and tape for the visitors and it was a cage and Hexy happened to be in there fixing a stick and the brawl starts and I instantly the coaches used to sit in that same room in a little space beside the, the cage I instantly jumped up and saw the padlock and padlocked him in the in the cage now he is going crazy because the team is emptied and onto the onto the ice and this brawl I don't know if you remember I was there that night this brawl, Hockey Night in Canada are coming on to broadcast. The brawl's still going on when they're starting the mm -hmm. broadcast. And Mr. Snyder comes down to me, and I'm at the bench now. And Ed survey, Snyder, the owner. Yeah. yeah, Ed Snyder, the owner. He says, get out there and break that up. I said, Eddie, not a chance. I got shoes on. That the second I step on the ice, I'm going to go ass over a tea kettle. So... I said, I'm not going out, you go out. He says, I'm not going out. I said, well, for the same reason. Dougie Crossman comes out, he's got flip-flops on. And he's, I mean, it was unbelievable. Brownie comes out and he's gonna fight Larry Robinson. Brownie comes out, no jersey, bear, bearskin. Anyway, this brawl goes on. Hexy's going crazy in the, I said, Hexy, you can yell at me all you want, but if you break your hand and I know you're gonna fight, we, are done and there's no way that I'm gonna allow you to get out there anyway the thing after many the referees come down the referees aren't even when the brawl starts the referees aren't even dressed yet they come running down the hall and tell me I said I'm not going out there you guys go out there get your skates on get out there so uh, they go out I don't I forget who the referee was that night but anyway the first period Montreal chooses a 16 to 4 Hexy stood on his head, and we win the game and, and knock the Montreal Canadiens out and go on to the Stanley Cup Finals. But that's a Hextall story. He, he would never forgive me for not, not letting him fight. He loved to fight. And uh, the other story I can tell you, okay, with Hexy, Brian Prop used to sit, stand in the corner and shoot pucks from the goal line extended on this side of Hexy and bank it off his butt and into the net. And Hexy said, Brian, don't do that, please, because I'm trying to focus on the shots. 
okay, I won't. Next game, he does it. So the warm-up's over, and Hexy's one of the last guys that come in off the ice. Usually he goes off first. He comes in, and Brian is sitting in his stall, and I'm watching this. And top of the Flyers' lockers were two layers of plywood, one layer and then about this much space and another layer. That was for the shin pads and their gloves and their helmet down below. And Hexy comes in, and Brian's sitting there without his helmet on now, and he takes that goal stick, and he comes down as hard as he can, and he's going to kill Proppy. He hits that first layer of plywood, smashes it. The stick comes down and hits the second layer, and the stick smashes. Proppy, I said, what are you doing? He says, I, I just want to learn how to do that. I said, well, don't do it to Hexy. You, he told you not to do it, and now you saw it like he's going crazy. So that was like, talk about fiery. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. I saw that. It was like. But a good teammate. Great teammates. Both of them were, but they had, uh, I mean, that uh, I'll tell you the other thing is um, Tim Kerr. This is a crazy team. This is a Great team, youngest team. So in the warm-up, Timmy Kerr uh, is um, handling the puck, and, and Brad McCrimmon, God bless his soul, beast, he pops it off his stick. He said, don't do that. i got to get my hands ready. Does it again. Timmy, bang. Him rear of the hand, busts his hand in the warm-up. I said, are you kidding me? You guys break each other's hands in the warm-up? Timmy, what? I mean, he had the big metal stick at the time right over Brad's left hand. I said, oh, my God, what's next? But talk about competitive guys and young guys. That, and Beast was really respected. He controlled that locker room, him and Mark Howe. As you know, they played 30 minutes a game, too. Mm -hmm. But, uh, again, crazy goalie stories, but other stories that, We'll, we'll allude to that when we talk about the Flyers, but uh, uh, Hexy was a, a real competitive individual, and he didn't like Bob Froze. No, eh? No, no. He says, keep him away from me. So, uh, I mean, Bob Froze is a, a, a competent goaltender and, and did a good job. I think we had 110 points the second year when Pelly was killed, and he carried low, but he wasn't Pelly Lindbergh, and he wasn't. Hextall, Ron Hextall. He was adequate, but uh, he had a crazy temperament too. He'd bark in the net when he was down, like, like, and Hexy couldn't stand it. So, and then we got Chico Rush as the backup, and, and Chico, as we told the story about Montreal, was one of his greatest supporters and, and a real good mentor for Hexy to try to level his head a bit and keep him calm. So, and he would be the greatest cheerleader if Hexy made a big stop. He'd be pounding the boards and stepping up on the boards, and that's my boy, you know. So it was an interesting relationship. So then I go out to Chicago, and I got a couple other. Well, let's talk about Chicago, Eddie, Eddie Belfour. Eddie, but Eddie was uh, a project. I sent him home twice uh, at a training camp. Once I said, hey, you're not ready, and uh, I sent him to Saginaw. Once to Saginaw, once to uh, the Canadian national team, and then the, 
the third year, I said, you're ready now, you can play. But our goalies before that were Greg Millen, Darren Pang. I'll tell you the story about Millen, didn't I? When uh, I was out with t- well, Team Canada. Yes. Yeah. So I'm with Team Canada, and he's my roommate, throws water on me in the middle of the night. I said, uh, I'm going to kill you someday. I'm using that word a lot. That doesn't yeah. sound right. But anyway. Yeah, so we I trade the story for in the Goulet yeah, episode. Yeah, so I trade for him, and we've already talked about that. So I said, that payback's really tough, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, guys like Cloutier, Chevrolet, yeah. Millen, yeah. Waite. Cloutier, Darren I Pang. had uh, Jimmy Waite, and uh, his nickname was Jimmy Late because he was never on time for anything. Uh, I had uh, Cloutier in, in Rochester. He won the Calder Cup for us, or with us. So, uh, you know, some familiar places. And then, then we get Dominic Hasek in the draft. So I got Dominic and Al. And what a great acquisition we made in Chicago, too. We hired uh, Tretjak as the goalie coach. Flew him in from Moscow about once a month. Was that your idea? And, uh, yeah, I said we need a, a, a coach. And uh, he agreed. And... Uh, so he was unbelievable. He he came in, and he would put the full gear on. The goalie coach in, in Philly was uh, Bernie Perrant. And Bernie was there because Pelly loved Bernie. Same style, looked the same. And <laughs> Hexy didn't want Bernie to coach him. Hexy wanted his own thing. But now we get Trechak in, and Trechak is unreal. He's got them in there after practice, learning how to shoot the puck around the boards and doing all kinds of gymnastics with them and full gear and so on. So one day I called them in and uh, the whole team, I said, they said, come on in guys, they said, Rice. I said, uh, we got good news and bad news. And they said, what's, what's going on? I said, well, the good news is we got Trechak helping these goalies and these goalies are unbelievable for us. I said, the bad news is he's better than both of them. So he's going to play next game. <laughs> they all started. But he was terrific. Like He probably was still better than both of them at the time. They were just developing. But uh, the team just started like jelly. So I said, yeah, you're nuts. But anyway, uh, they they were really impacted by Trechak, both those goalies. Really. And Eddie, well, Trechak wore 20 and Eddie wore 20. Yep. Yeah. And Eddie, Eddie uh, I was sitting at the cottage at the table having dinner. The phone rang. My sister answered it said, Mike, it's for you. And I go over and pick up the phone, and they said, uh, Mike, it's Ed Belfour. Thank you very much. I've been inducted to the Hall of Fame, and I wanted to call you right away to thank you for developing my career. Pretty cool. Very cool. Yeah. Very classy. Yeah. So, you know, uh, again, lots of controversy about pulling Eddie and pulling Dominic and and who's going to start? And well, there's a famous video with in me. Chicago yep. on the bench where you I grab, grab him. him by the sweater because he's acting up. I go down, I grab him, and I said, do you remember the conversation we had about playing most of the games and that you would be pulled from time to time? He said, yes. I said, well, be quiet. And that was it. He did. He like, I said, remember that kind of, It was like Hextel. I mean, in the motion and, and the way they were so fiery, the way they run, hot. So he he had forgotten about that conversation until I remind him, and then it, that was fine. But uh, 
Yeah, it was an interesting combination. Both those, both those goalies end up in the Hall of Fame, and both those goalies play against Pittsburgh in one game, and Barrasso was in the other. So I think there was three Hall of Famers that played in one game. And uh, it again, was game four against Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. And I was, you know, I was fortunate to have those types of goalies. I mean, you're talking—we're just talking about two teams already, and we got. Uh, uh, outstanding goaltenders that uh, were just, uh, you know, classic in the league. Did they have any craziness, idiosyncrasies? All those goalies? Well, well Eddie, and Eddie, and, Eddie, and Eddie. We talked about yeah. the flyer goalies. Yeah, Eddie, in his preparation to get ready, we'd have the morning skate, and then he would go to the skate sharpener. Nobody could touch his skates. And he would sharpen for an hour. Just And it was getting his mind into it, sharpen, sharpen. It, like they had to change his blades often because he mm -hmm. grind them right down, sharpen the skates, not look up sharpen. It was like wild, wild. And uh, uh, Dominic, I don't remember Dominic having anything in particular that was different except for his style, was you know, flopping around and falling on his back and throwing his... We'd never seen that before, but he was obviously a great goaltender as well. And Eddie was a fitness buff too, wasn't he? Eddie was, yeah. He was a triathlete, and uh, and Dominic was ripped too. He not, there was an ounce of fat on him. The whole t the the Flyer team was like that, and then we made that transformation. Uh, Chelios has to change the culture, and he was a fitness guru, and everybody started to get into fitness and. And uh, we were really top top end team in terms of fitness, but yeah, Eddie would be sharpening those skates, sharpening. <laughs> but again, just like I just told you about the hex doll, we are in Edmonton, and Dave Manson and Eddie get into a stick swinging contest in practice, and they both break their sticks over each other. A goal stick over Manson, and the Manson's two hander over Eddie. I said. What is going on? I said. There seems to be a pattern with your teams here, Mike. Oh, they were, I loved it. They were full of fire and energy and competitiveness, but to an extreme. And the players had to jump in and separate them, and it was just crazy stuff. And then, of course, with the, in the, 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 uh, the, the black and blue division. with The, Nor the, the Chuck Norris yeah, division. Yeah, yeah. I mean, bench champing brawls there and warm-ups with St. Louis and Minnesota and Eddie's in the fights and the goalies are fighting and Eddie loves it. So it's Dominic didn't fight. He didn't know he was from Europe. He didn't, but Eddie just loved that stuff. And the whole team, I mean, I, I can still remember when we talk about, too, it's Stu Grimson bleeding all over me after he got in the ball and I'm hanging. The referee brings him over, lines when I'm holding him, and he snaps my arm and tries to almost breaks my arm off and he's bleeding all over my white shirt and I said oh my god so anyway there's uh, some great stories along the way and and uh, as I'm talking here we're going off the goalies so I'll stay on the goalies for now but I got some other stories to tell you about the Blackhawks and the Blues and and uh, the history there of the of the of the Chuck Norris division if you like or yeah the well upcoming episodes we're going to go through with the yeah. various teams Flyers uh, in a few weeks, and then uh, we'll get through Chicago and a yep. bunch of others. So more to come there. And we've only just barely put a dent 
in the goaltending history, we still got guys like Richter and Healy and Fuhr, and oh boy, the list Burke goes on. Burke and and yeah. yeah. And so uh, we will save that for Curtis Joseph. Another trade episode. him, yeah, out of St. Louis. So, so a lot more and then brought stories. him back in Calgary. You had Kippersoff so, there as Kippersoff, well. So, so, so a lot more stories. Luongo, we talked about yeah. the trade uh, in an earlier episode. So uh, let's wrap up episode six, and uh, we'll do another one on the goaltenders. Goaltenders upcoming. Sounds good. We're looking-